Mark your calendar to attend the American Academy of Family Physicians National Conference of Family Medicine Residents and Medical Students July 27th through the 29th in Kansas City, Missouri. Choose from more than 35 educational sessions and visit over 450 residency programs and exhibitors and much more. Join the National Conference Equation at aafp.org nc. Pursuing an international training opportunity can broaden your clinical, procedural, and cultural skills. But what if you find yourself in an ethical dilemma while on the ground? Welcome to the AMSA AdLib Podcast, where we'll hear from med students and experts alike. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. Overseas clinical experiences are growing in popularity and importance to medical training. It can increase exposure to a variety of illnesses, increase cultural awareness when treating patients, but you also may be presented with an opportunity that teeters on the edge of ethically appropriate. AdLib's Pete Thompson spoke with Dr. Jessica Everett of Child Family Health International on how students can evaluate programs beforehand, what you can do to some degree once on the ground, and also what broad guidelines are out there from big organizations with thoughts on this topic. Here's Dr. Everett. Hi, good to be with you today. This is Dr. Jessica Everett. I am out in San Francisco. I'm a family physician in the Department of Family and Community Medicine at UCSF, and I'm also Executive Director of Child Family Health International, which is a global health education and leadership organization. I um, do clinical practice in palliative care, hospice, as well as inpatient medicine, and focus on underserved multicultural populations. One of the topics that we frequently hear about and we talk about is ethical study abroad, having having study abroad experiences that are ethically sound. And there are a lot of opportunities for students to do things that might be, say, clinically inappropriate or, or maybe ethically inappropriate in these settings. How, sh- how can students avoid that or like what should they be looking out for? Yeah, at Child Family Health International, we have over 30 international programs in 10 countries uh, for students to experience global health, health systems, and clinical care in existing health systems in a way that supports sustainable and longitudinal um, patient care. And I think when we get in trouble and tripped up on ethics or threaten patient safety when we go abroad is when really when we try to be immediately effective. What I've learned through um, my background in anthropology Uh, and through global engagement in medical school residency and now as a licensed professional is that the systems of care that we enter when we go abroad are very complex and not just the clinical care but the social determinants and the structural um, challenges that lead to uh, poor health, lack of empowerment, and a variety of other issues. And so I think the only misstep we can make is trying to oversimplify these settings and oversimplify the solutions um, and seeing ourselves as that solution. I think we need to be a little more ethnographic when we go abroad and be listeners and astute observers to try and understand the complex issues and go back home to be advocates because there's a lot of things we can do uh, being often from the U.S. or other powerful, relatively wealthy countries to advocate for trade policy, for um, development and 
in the electoral process and in, with policy that affects health globally. And so there's a lot of spheres of influence that we have, um, and the sphere of influence that we often don't have as a student or even as a faculty member when we're trained in the global north and culturally are from a different place and resource-wise rely on different tools and tests and different formularies of medication. Um, the influence we don't often have is to be a frontline clinician immediately. And unfortunately, that's often um, the thing that we find most sexy or the thing that seems the lowest hanging fruit or sometimes the thing that we are curious about. So we got to go beyond our own curiosity and our desire to be a instant solution and look at the complexities of problems and really learn how we can be advocates for change and enablers of local, sustainable, longitudinal um, health systems innovations. Is that something that affects both sort of medical students and pre-medical students or one group more so than the other? Yeah, I think that it affects um, pre-medical, medical students, and even faculty licensed physicians. I'm a licensed family physician, and I have board specializations in hospital medicine and palliative care and hospice, but it's naive of me to try and think that I can pick myself up and um, transport myself to a different context, um, a different country that has different language, different cultural, different historical um and geopolitical realities, different health systems, different medications, different diagnostic tools, different treatment regimens. It's naive of me to think that I can pick myself up and plot myself down and be the right person to be providing frontline patient care. And as we're trainees, it's even more complex because as pre-medical students, um, the Department of Justice in the U.S. and many other standard-setting bodies have said it's actually against standards to for pre-medical students to provide any hands-on patient care internationally. And um, many medical schools are starting to scrutinize that. And students can actually risk their admission to medical school if they're doing these unethical activities. So it's becoming very consequential for pre-med students. For medical students, similarly, um, trying to preempt our level of licensure and expertise um, by going abroad where there's less rules or less oversight into what we're doing um, is a threat to our professionalism, our ethics, patient safety, and really is, at the end of the day, for all of us, perpetuating the differential standards of care for the poor and perpetuating the health inequities that exist in our own backyard and across the world when we um, think that we are the best people to be providing health care even though we're unlicensed and we're not familiar with the local context. For students, either undergrad or medical students who might be seeking international opportunities and sort of either volunteer or, or sort of some sort of study abroad program, how can they sort of evaluate beforehand whether they think the program, like sort of in a very on the ground sense? How do they evaluate that and how, I mean, are there red flags they should look for in the description or what is it? Yeah, I think, um, number one, recognizing that we speak with our feet. And I didn't realize this as a med student. I went abroad with with organizations that um, were representing belief systems and approaches to international engagement that actually if I would have done my homework, I would not have wanted to endorse, but I didn't do my homework. I just took for granted that it sounded like a great program. It's got to be great. I'm going. And so I think recognizing, number one, do your homework. Uh, find out who's facilitating the experience, what their um, ethical, philosophical, and theoretical framework is. Um, make sure you agree with it. I would be very cautious if websites are telling 
telling you that you're going to be solution to community health or global health in one week, two weeks, four weeks, or six months, I would be very skeptical of anyone who's over-promising or um, otherwise um, kind of glorifying these activities. Because we know now we, we recently have publications of interprofessional global health competencies that can be the roadmap for, um, for medical students, residents, pre-medical students interested in global health and global health equity. So now we have this roadmap of competencies that we need to ascertain. And so you should, A, know that article. It's in Annals of Global Health. It's an open source publication in April of 2015. So check that one out. And um, number two, kind of have a professional plan in place where you recognize that practicing one patient at a time clinical care before you're licensed in a very foreign environment is not really building the competencies that we need to change the um, inertia of health inequities and global health disparities. So really getting serious about creating a professional development plan that maps to those competencies and recognizing that people who are overselling the role of outsiders and really changing the destiny of global communities um, probably are um, not being authentic and honest about, um, about what the solution to global health is. What standards are out there? Are there standards? There are standards, and it's important, I think, to uh, be mindful of them. The AAMC has standards that apply to both pre-medical and medical students. The American Dental Association has standards that apply to both dental and pre-dental students. The Forum on Education Abroad is endorsed by the Department of Justice and has standards for undergraduate students and is currently developing professional-level standards. Um, the World Medical Association is developing standards around electives. And all of these standards are coming out of the realization that, um, you know, if you can't do it here, you shouldn't be doing it there, and that countries um, may or may not have the bandwidth to control students who are coming in from outside, um, often in under-resourced healthcare systems in low- and middle-income countries. Uh, there's just a struggle to provide basic patient care and, and, and clinics and hospitals being inundated. And so unless there's appropriate structure and understanding both on behalf of the host institution, the um, student, the sending institution, the home university of the student, unless everyone's on the same page around boundaries um, and the scope of practice of the student and the necessary supervision, it's very easy um, for things to snowball and for students to be asked to do things that they're not expertise they don't have expertise in and I know as a student from for me, it was um, I was never really taught how to say no thank you. And it can be a really distressing situation. Both it can be hard to say no because you feel like, well, who's going to do this if I don't or if I say no? And then if you say yes and there's complications or if you're doing something in a less skilled way than someone else could be doing it, which I did as a student and have a lot of moral distress even today. Um, so I think preparing yourself to say no thank you. And there's a tool called um, GAPS, which is Global Ambassadors for Patient Safety. It's an open source module out of University of Minnesota. If you Google it, you can actually take it and it ends with an oath of patient safety that students can sign. And the oath comes in 12 different languages. And this is really powerful because 
um, the oath can be used to blame your school or to blame another entity for why you can't do something. And I think that that can be really helpful because it's really hard to say no when um, there's a lot of um, patients that need help and you're right there. So being prepared to say no thank you and making sure that you're going into a situation where your level of competency and the supervision necessary um, is available. And then lastly, I would just say that um, often we um, need to think about not just doing something standing there and really taking a back seat to local healthcare expertise and standards of care, even if it challenges our notions around standard of care. Um, because at the end of the day, changing upstream capacity building and other efforts um, is what's going to lead to sustainable global health gains. Um, and then coming back and doing advocacy work that's wedded to what we saw clinically is really powerful, and we certainly have a role in advocating for uh, funding systems and accountable governments and other um, stabilizing aspects of global health systems. AMSA AdLib is brought to you by the American Medical Student Association. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. This episode was produced by Pete Thompson and myself. Joshua Caulfield is the show's executive producer, and Dr. Kelly Tibbert is AMSA's national president. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you for listening. Mark your calendar to attend the American Academy of Family Physicians National Conference of Family Medicine Residents and Medical Students July 27th through the 29th in Kansas City, Missouri. Choose from more than 35 educational sessions and visit over 450 residency programs and exhibitors and much more. Join the National Conference Equation at aafp.org nc.